From my new home office, on behalf of the Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University, this is Getting Ethics to Work, the podcast that tackles the trickier moral dilemmas that you might face in the workplace. I'm your host and Prindle Institute director, Andy Cullison, and with me is our producer, Kate Berry. Hello. For each episode of Getting Ethics to Work, we discuss a case and unpack the difficult and often hidden ethical tensions that can make it hard to get along with others at work. And by the way, case is just an ethicist word for story. And if you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, the best thing you can do is recommend the show to a friend. I hope you'll consider doing that. Now, before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we are not lawyers and are not offering legal expertise. But as an ethicist, I hope I can get you to appreciate that getting paid to do nothing is actually getting paid to do a lot. As the world continues to determine how best to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic, we are continuing to talk about the ethical issues that you may be encountering in the workplace, wherever your workplace may be. So Andy, what's the case today? Well, Kate, imagine someone who is getting paid, they're staying at home, and they're not doing as much work as they normally do, or maybe they can't do their job at all, but they're still getting paid. And they're starting to feel guilty about the fact that they're effectively getting paid to do nothing from their perspective. And what got me here is I'm seeing a lot of what I'll call paid to do nothing shaming. That's what I'll call it. Um, I, I saw this first when schools started closing and teachers were staying from home and, and everyone assumed, oh, these teachers must not be doing uh, nearly as much work as they were doing when they were in the classroom, which by the way is completely false because they're doing enormous amount of work behind the scenes. But anyway, uh, but imagine someone thinks that the teachers aren't doing as much work well, they were saying things uh, like, well, gosh, I hope they're going to give the taxpayers back those those salaries that they're drawing. Then I started seeing articles about state government representatives who were, quote unquote, shocked that their state agencies didn't really have a sense as to who was getting, quote unquote, paid to do nothing. And they're even talking about, we need to do an audit. Do we need to furlough these people? We, we should figure this out. There's an article about this going on in Hawaii recently. And so I started thinking of a case where someone felt like they were getting paid to do nothing, feeling guilty about it, maybe because of all this quote-unquote paid-to-do-nothing shaming. And so I said, well, let's imagine a guy named Dale really, really wants to be doing work. Let's imagine that he works for a boss that before the pandemic struggled to delegate tasks and efficiently utilize staff. And let's suppose this has been a long-standing issue. And I'm imagining if you, if you had a supervisor who had difficulty delegating before this, I'm just imagining things have just gotten worse. And so I can imagine before the outbreak, this kind of management style would be frustrating. But now I'm imagining Dale's, you know, sort of feeling guilty for collecting a paycheck when he doesn't feel he's worked enough to earn it, um, even if it's due to being mismanaged. And let's suppose in the past, Dale would find ways to keep busy by working with other departments or shared projects. But let's suppose most of these projects have been canceled due to the current situation or that collaboration is just much more difficult because of how communication can break down when everybody's you know, sheltered in place and working from home. Now, they don't want to quit. Dale doesn't want to quit, doesn't want to use vacation, but Dale feels icky, I'll say, about continuing to get paid, especially when Dale looks around and sees everybody else who's been laid off or furloughed or, or finds themselves in a job that's just way worse and more dangerous so that's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining someone sitting at home, seeing all this paid-to-do-nothing kind of shaming, and then, you know, starting to feel a little guilty about it. And I thought, well, let's start there. What do you think? 
That sounds great. And I'm most excited. I never get to say this. Let's get to work. So, Andy, in this instance, is Dale right that he should feel guilty? Is he right, essentially, that he's in the wrong here by getting money for not doing his regular job? Well, I don't know. It's 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 really tough. I'm, I'm going to take it that is he wrong for feeling guilty? We'll say, is it is it rational for him to feel guilty? Um, and you might think guilt is only a, a rational feeling if there really is something wrong that you've done. So I think the important thing is let's Let's figure out, is there, any, is there any good case to be made that Dale is doing something wrong here? And I, I actually think it's hard to do that. So let's, let's take a stab. So the, I mean, the most obvious way to argue that Dale's doing something wrong is he's not doing his job, but he's continuing to get paid for it. That's it, right? You're, you're not doing the job you are signed up to do, and yet you're still drawing a paycheck. So is there something, is there something wrong with that? That's the key question, I think. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I think it's hard, given the current circumstances, to make that kind of argument that he's in the wrong because he's not doing his job. What he's not doing is his usual job. But we can think of all sorts of emergency type situations where something happens and you are suddenly doing something other than what your typical job is. So I'm just imagining there's a there's a mat, a pipe breaks in the basement of your work building and all of the important customer files are down there in the basement and uh, someone says okay all hands on deck we need to get everybody down there and save as many of these important files as we can you know it'd be a little weird for it to be like I'm just a lawyer I do lawyer stuff I I don't I don't pick up papers or if if while you were doing that, while you were saving the important data from getting drowned in the basement, if then your boss the next day said, well, you didn't pick up the phone calls. And so you didn't pick up the phone calls, which is your regular job. And so you have you ha you didn't do your job yesterday. Or, or if, if, imagine it was super important to uh, like keep the pipe from gushing water too hard. They, they discovered that if, if someone just sits in this chair right above where the pipe is, and, and, you know, okay, just sit there. Don't do anything else. Just sit there. Sit there for as long as you can. And so you're just sitting there, literally doing nothing, right? But, but you might think, okay, it's not like you've stopped doing your job. It's just that in emergency situations, your job can suddenly look very different and, and very, very mundane doing nothing kinds of activities are actually pretty critical for the health of your organization. And let's keep in mind that your job description, yes, it's specifically laid out what kinds of tasks you should be doing, but ultimately your job description is determined by what you can be doing for the health of your organization. And at the moment, the health of your organization might depend on you doing something else. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's a case to be made that all this shelter-in-place stuff is, is similar to a pipe bursting where suddenly the best thing for you to be doing for your organization is to sit there and, and make sure that you can be doing whatever it is that needs to be done to mitigate the spread of this virus and get the country back to normal as soon as possible. And I, I mean, think about it. Every company has an interest in ending this thing quickly or, or at least mitigating it 
so that we strike the right balance of social distancing while still maintaining the economy. And so I, I really do think folks who find themselves in a position where they're sheltering in place, they should think of that as kind of like a new job description for, for a couple of reasons. One, companies are investing you to help create conditions that are best for the company. And you might think there's a good case to be made that every corporation that does this, you know, pays people for sheltering in place, is doing their part to help keep cash flowing. The money they spend on you keeps you as a participant in an economy, and that money flows back to those companies. So let me use a simple analogy. Imagine an economy with three goods, bread, milk, and meat. Those are the only three things that get bought or sold. So the owner of the bread company pays their employees, their employees go buy milk and meat, but the owner of the milk and meat company, they pay their employees with money that was used by the bread makers' employees to buy milk and meat, and they go and they buy bread, right? That's, that's sort of the way economies work. And if, if every company were to just do their part to help making sure that, that cash flow is there, you might think it's, it's actually a very good thing. If, if a company can, can afford to pay workers to stay home, I think there's a really, really good self-interested business case to be made that, that every corporation that could afford this should do this. And some companies, we'll link to it in the show notes, some companies are doing this. Some companies are saying, you know what, we're going to keep cash in the hands of our workers. We're going to get through this. And by keeping cash in the hands of their workers, they keep the cash flowing through the economy and they can make this what seems to be a depression that we're going into uh, as, as least bad as possible. So even though Dale may feel like he is not doing his job, it's just that he hasn't realized that his new job is to sit at home in order to reduce the spread of COVID-19 so that things can get back to normal. And that by paying him, companies are able to uh, contribute to their own health because the entire economy is more healthy. Yeah, the, the linchpin of any economy or the, the foundation of any economy are, are customers with cash. We need as many customers as cash out there as possible. And this, this money is going back out into the economy. Andy, you mentioned that there might be an argument to be made that any corporation that can afford to pay its employees, even to do nothing, should. Do you really think it's the responsibility of the company to do that? Well, you know, that is a good question. I'm not really sure where I fall on this. But if you think there is any sense to be made, like, like so if it's not the corp, if it's not company's responsibilities, there's, there's two options, government responsibility, or you let people starve. Even the, even the staunchest of my conservative friends will say, in a time of crisis and emergency, it, it's a very different thing to be just giving people cash, that, that, that there is even arguably a national security interest in just making sure people have cash to buy the basic necessities. And there are now basic income proposals that are enjoying fairly bipartisan support. So maybe if you, if you think it's not corporate responsibility... If you think, well, that responsibility really rests with the government, it's it's likely that corporations are going to be paying for this anyway, because there, there's probably going to be certain kinds of financial implications for the federal government giving everybody who needs it some kind of stipend. And so if you don't think it's their direct responsibility, then you're probably going to be committed to it being a kind of indirect responsibility in some way, shape, or form. Unless you're in the camp that says, no, if people lose their jobs, that's just 
that's how life goes. But I think in an emergency like this, I think there are very few people who are actually in the that's just how life goes camp. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think there's a case to be made. But even if you think it's not corporations' responsibility, unless you think that people who lose their jobs ought to just be left to, left out hanging, in some way, shape, or form, this is going to cost corporations. Now that's And that's for private sector organizations. But you might think some of the things we've been talking about could be true for nonprofit organizations. You know, if a nonprofit organization can afford to continue to pay its employees to shelter in place, you might think the government can reasonably expect them to do that because nonprofit organizations benefit from their tax-exempt status. And, and because their mission is in some way related to serving the common good, well, guess what? Right now, that, you might think that includes helping prevent the spread of the virus. You know, you can't serve the common good if the livelihoods of people are, are in serious jeopardy. So you might think it's permissible for nonprofit organizations to say, okay, you know what, it, it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and, and figure out what we can be doing to mitigate the spread. And if it's a state organization, you've got the private sector, the nonprofit sector, and state organizations. I was kind of surprised that Hawaii state senators were so up in arms about the possibility that they're paying people. Think of it like you're, you're sort of providing a kind of basic income for the, those folks so that they stay home, shelter in place, and help mitigate the spread. It's in Hawaii's interest if the state employees who don't currently have jobs to do, if they are at least getting enough cash to live and are doing their part to mitigate the spread. So there are some good reasons that Dale shouldn't feel guilty because him staying at home and getting paid allows the sort of larger society to have increased health. But is he being unfair to his company in particular, that even if sort of in a large context, this is the right thing for him and big picture benefit to everyone? Is is he being a bad employee? Is there something wrong with his relationship to the company in this consideration? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. The way we were talking, it was sort of like, well, Dale shouldn't feel so bad because this is what companies ought to do. But it's not like they entered into an agreement. It's not like the boss has said, guess what, your new job is this, right? He wasn't, he wasn't explicitly given those marching orders. So he might think, well, I'm still benefiting from them, not doing anything for them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not like I've been given the new job description, stay at home. But I, I still think Dale's probably being a little too hard on himself. It, in, again, it depends on the kind of organization that you're working for. A lot of large organizations are right now benefiting from the sacrifices of Americans all over the country. And they're not doing anything for them right now. All these organizations that are sitting around waiting for the economy to get back on track are benefiting significantly from, you know, the quote-unquote essential workers, the people on the front lines fighting this. A, a lot of people, a lot of corporations are benefiting from the sacrifices of Americans, right? If, if Dale's feeling guilty about sitting around you know, while other people are suffering, you know, even the leadership of his organization should, should probably feel that way. Again, assuming his organization is not one of these organizations on the front lines, right? Sure. You know, and some of these companies are benefiting from bailouts. Uh, they're benefiting from leniency from banks on deferred loan payments. Companies are benefiting a lot from, quote unquote, doing nothing, right? I mean, just like Dale feels like he's getting paid to do nothing, companies that receive bailouts or leniency from banks. We don't think twice about 
this kind of leniency from the that the companies are receiving is somehow being untoward. So maybe it's reasonable for individuals to think that they should get some kind of consideration like this as well on the individual level. When you were setting the scene um, initially for Dale, you mentioned that he didn't want to quit, and then he also didn't want to use his vacation days. And I hadn't really thought of this, but I guess there one could argue that if you know you're sitting at home not really working today, that you don't have a report to do, you've sort of done all the work that was in front of you assigned to you, that one might argue, you know you're not working today, you should make a vacation. Do you think that's a good solution to Dale's problem? No. <laughs> I mean, first off, you don't have a lot of vacation days, and we've already been in this thing for, oh gosh. I don't even know. But, I mean... You don't have nearly the number of vacation days to, to make up for that. But the other thing is the, the purpose of vacation is to give you the respite you need in order to be productive, not a, not a burnout employee. And you're not on vacation right now. And, and when this economy opens up and you're allowed to go to the beach or the mountains or, you know, whatever makes you happy, you're going to definitely need those days. And other places around the country are going to need you to go on vacation and, you know, start spreading around some of that wealth that you've been getting from your your organization this time that you've been allegedly doing nothing. And again, I don't think you're doing nothing. I think you're doing something pretty important. Presumably that when you would really go on vacation would be at a time when the company's in a better situation. And when the company's in a better situation, I think they're going to have an interest in people being able to take vacations. Do you have any suggestions for how Dale might fill hours that would have been filled with his more regular work? If he's got these sort of empty time, what could he do to maybe feel productive with that? Something that Google does, I, I don't know if they still do it. They have this like what they call 20% play time where employees are just sort of, it's understood uh, you can just take 20% of your work week and just be tinkering, experimenting playing around with code, writing new software, playing around with ways to use Google services in other creative ways. Sure, yeah. You might just do that, right? Like, you know, think, you know, if you've got, you know, play, experiment, tinker. I mean, it, it, again, a lot's going to depend on the nature of your organization. You could also just be thinking about what what's the new normal going to look like? And, and, and what is your role going to be like in the new normal? Do you plan large conferences or concerts like me? Are you an educator? Be thinking about how do you achieve those goals at a distance or virtually or online? Like what are, what are some other ways you can be serving your customers and your clients? And so, you know, play, tinker, experiment, brainstorm, you know, be ready for creative solutions whenever it's time for everybody to come together again. So especially if your manager was not great at delegating even before this, if you come back and you've already got some pretty good ideas or plans or suggestions for how things might get on track faster or how you might adapt to the new normal, you've sort of made you've made the job for yourself in a way that I think would be pretty satisfying. I think I think that's absolutely right. And and to that end, um, you could also be thinking about certain kinds of professional development opportunities, thinking about what the needs of your organization might be. Is there any at-home training you could look into so that you're ready to switch roles if necessary? And I want to say this with a, a very important caveat. There's a kind of 
nasty snarkiness that I see in some online articles that are sort of like, if you don't develop a skill in this time, you, you know, you've wasted this time, right? It's this kind of like tech bro, this is an opportunity kind of stuff. I don't want to come across as, as recommending that. I am very much assuming that Dale is someone who wants to be doing something, uh, has the mental bandwidth to do it, and is just really itching to do something productive. If you're, if you're itching to do it, then this advice about developing new skills is conditioned on the fact that you have that kind of desire to do it. But, you know, there's, there's a lot you could be doing. And arguably serving your company, right? You know, you can't, you can't do what you normally do, but you're developing some skills that you are starting to think might be useful uh, for the organization later on down the line. Just be looking for things like that if you, if you feel like there's something you should be doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you're feeling like Dale, I don't think you should be too hard on yourself. Right. It's in every corporation's self-interest to mitigate the spread of this thing. So you staying home is something that your company actually probably needs. It's in every corporation's self-interest to keep the wheels of this economy turning. And so it's in every corporation's interest for there to be as many people out there with cash to spend as possible. So there's actually something very good about all the Dales around the country who find themselves in a situation where they can draw income without harming their organization. They're helping keep the economy going. If Dale doesn't draw a salary from his organization... There's a good chance he's going to get something from the government as part of a relief package or unemployment benefits, and companies ultimately pay a price for that in some way, shape, or form anyway. And while Dale might feel like he's getting something for nothing, there's a good chance his organization will too. Organizations that survive this will likely not do so without some kind of assistance. And at the end of the day, if Dale is surviving and doing well and really, really needs something to do... He might just think of creative ways to prepare himself for what he thinks his organization will need whenever the new normal goes into effect. Thanks so much for joining us as we try to get ethics to work. I'm Andy Cullison. And I'm Kate Barry. If you have a question about business ethics you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at katherineberry at depaw.edu, and maybe we'll talk through your issue on the air. We hope you are staying safe and healthy in this crisis. We also hope you can take some of what we've discussed here and get it to work. If you want to learn more about what we talked about on the show today, check out our show notes page at prindleinstitute.org slash work. That's all one word, get ethics to work. Remember to subscribe to get new episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. But regardless of where you subscribe, please be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way for us to meet new listeners. Getting Ethics to Work is hosted by the Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University. Our logo was created by Smallbox. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions and can be found online at www.sessions.blue. Our show is made possible with the generous support of DePaul alumni, friends of the Prindle Institute, and you, the listeners. Thank you for your support. The views expressed here are the opinions of the individual speakers alone. They do not represent the position of DePaul University or the Prindle Institute for Ethics.